I could have rapped about my hard times in this song. But heaven knows I wouldn't have been wrong. I wouldn't have been right. It wouldn't have been love. It wouldn't have been life. It wouldn't have been us. This can't be life. This can't be life. 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 This can't be love. Good morning and welcome to episode 744 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Perspectives, presented by the Play Index at BaseballReference.com. I am Ben Lindbergh of Grantland, joined by Sam Miller of Baseball Perspectives. Hello. Yo. So I'm going to level with you. Okay. I did not watch that Royals game for one second. Oh, well, neither did I. <laughs> Went back and I rewatched the seventh inning of I the see. Blue Jays game. Start to finish. Not even the condensed version. I wanted the broadcast version. I wanted every crowd shot yeah. and every broadcaster comment. Well, I'm glad you did because that's the game we're going to be talking about. And I didn't watch a second of that game either. But I was listening to it the whole time and I was following it and tweeting things about it. And uh, implying that I was watching it, maybe, yeah. if you didn't know me. But if you knew me, there was no such implication. <laughs> and um, and I have since seen a, a couple highlights, but uh, I imagine that you'll uh, you'll wallop me. Like, if we were to do a draft, for instance, on moments from that game, mm-hmm. I think you, I think, uh, from that inning, I think you would crush me. Let's find out. All right. We're going to do a draft of moments from, not even <laughs> from that game, I think, just from that just from that, from that inning. inning. That yeah. inning contained more than enough moments. And uh, congratulations to the Royals. And congratulations to the Astros on yeah. having a really nice season. That's yeah. great. But this was not your night. This was the seventh inning of the Blue Jays-Rangers game's night. It was a pretty good game for the Royals, too. I mean, that was, that's pretty much the perfect game for the winning team. How so? A few things about it. One is anytime you come from behind, you. I mean, you... You don't ever want to be down because you'll probably lose when you are. But in retrospect, games where you come from behind are so much better. Yeah. And if you could uh, somehow do this to yourself, you would love to have every win be a come from behind win. Uh, win. So they came from behind. Uh, they went ahead relatively deep into the game, uh, but not not you know not so deep that you didn't have the uh, kind of tense yet comfortable. Once you get to the sixth or seventh, I think that's when you want to be ahead. You want to. You don't want to be too stressed out, but you do want to still be engaged. And so, like a three-two lead in the seventh, I think is ideal. Whereas I think a two-nothing lead in the fourth, a two-nothing deficit in the fourth, or maybe a one-nothing deficit in the fourth is ideal. And uh, so they took the lead, and I, I think in the sixth. Um, and then they had a, a nice, narrow lead that made every batter uh, uh, high stakes. And then they had uh, a starting pitcher who was just got completely locked in, which is nice. You always love to have your starting pitcher completely locked in. And so they got to watch a pitcher dominate. And then they got the, uh, the exultant, climactic, or um, kind of, um, I don't know what you would call it, but the, the put-away piece yeah. Um, with the home run in the eighth, where then they got to take a victory lap, kind of. Yeah. And and they really scored on Dallas Keuchel. Yeah, they did. And so then for like the last fifteen minutes, then they got to really um, enjoy the obviousness of what it what was happening and celebrate before they even had to celebrate. So I don't know. It's just a perfect little rhythm. 
Yeah, that's right. Because playoff games are not fun. <laughs> if you're rooting for one of the teams, if you're rooting for the losing team, the playoff game is really not fun. I guess it's made up for if you do come back to win, or else we wouldn't watch playoff games. None of us would watch them because they'd be too painful. But yeah, you don't want to go too deep into it with too big a deficit. Just yeah. enough to make the comeback sweet. Yeah, you you want every single to feel like uh, a huge deal on either side, and you want to win. That's basically what you're looking for. Right. Okay, so seventh inning moments. I Where does this inning, I don't know if it was the same on the radio as it was watching. Was it? I don't know if you can say if it was equally enjoyable because you didn't watch it live on the TV, but I'm sure it was it was just as fun listening to. Which broadcast were you listening to? I was listening to the Blue Jays broadcast, and my favorite part, I don't know, am I going to draft this? I might draft this. <laughs> okay, well, you can save it if you right. don't want to draft it. Okay. But the overall experience of watching that inning, which went on forever, it was... I think it was like, I timed it like 51 minutes and 40 seconds from first pitch to last out. I think it was more like 53 or 54 if you count the whole broadcast. But that was one of the best baseball things I've seen ever. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Yeah, okay. I don't know where it ranks. Like it probably it's up there with like childhood championships and last day of the 2011 regular season. And it it, it was to me, it was not up to me. It was below game 162, uh but it was above the infield fly. Oh, yeah. Uh, And let's see, was it better? I think it was worse than Rangers Astros from two days ago or three days ago. I don't. Uh, yeah, that's fair. It's yeah. fair that you don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This was great. This was the uh, most no. Fun you're right. I've had you're right. You're right. You're right. You're at no. You're I, now. That I think about it. You're absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> the, I am, did like that. That was really funny. That was great. Good. Yeah, but the amount of insanity <laughs> was not comparable. No, you're right. You're uh, absolutely right that it was not comparable. Okay. It wasn't even close. Yeah, you can compare any two things, but it was not a close what? comparison. It's hard to separate personal feeling uh, when you're rooting for a team. And so, like, like I don't know how you feel about, like, Jeter flip play or, um, you know, July 1st of 2004. Right. Um, and you don't know how I feel about Barry Zito uh, knocking out Justin Verlander with an RBI hit yeah. in game one of the world series and all that but um so it's hard to say but uh yeah this was this was you know what i meant to say i did not i sorry i misspoke because i was thinking about this question earlier and i got confused in my head it was not obviously better than royals astros a couple days ago what i meant to say or worse it was not worse than that what i meant to say is that it was to me worse than wild card 2014 Okay. Yeah. I think I think Wildcard 2014 is the single greatest postseason game of our lives. Yeah. That. Yeah. That had so much. <laughs> it it went on longer. I, it was. It took longer to develop. Where I mean, this game was good throughout. It was a exciting game up to the seventh inning and a close game, but 
it didn't quite have as many twists and turns. The twists and turns were all contained within that one inning, which went on forever, but still, I think you're probably right, especially given the Royals' history and past and then the Lester angle and the stolen bases and everything else in Andy McCullough's story about it. So I think I think that's a defensible position. I'm watching it right now. <laughs> Whole inning? Yeah. I mean, I'm watching the condensed. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. All right, so we're just going to draft moments. We haven't discussed this. We have no ground rules. We're just going to go for it. Who goes first? Uh, I go first. Okay. And, and I think uh, probably I should get the obvious ones. Like, you should probably go a little easy on me. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, I will say, for my first pick, I will say Sam Dyson yelling at Edwin Encarnacion for trying to keep fans from throwing cans of beer at Sam Dyson. Yep. <laughs> that was that was up there. Uh, and I know that he just misunderstood. Right. And you can appreciate from Sam Dyson's perspective that like he's he's watching a sport. Like he spent this entire year where like a guy sneezes and the third baseman doesn't say bless you and it's a benches clearing brawl and four rounds of uh, of hit batsmen. And then all of a sudden Edwin Encarnacion is to his mind doing the Titanic to the crowd after this incredible moment in franchise history. Like he is actually doing like like this like king has is summoning his people or something yeah like the, like he's the guy uh at the top of the water in mad max you know like and and nobody's saying anything and sam dyson's got to just think am i losing my mind how come everybody's letting him do this but instead of thinking um that probably there's a good explanation for it uh he thought um that he had to say something and that was cute uh but also really misguided mm-hmm. uh so that was great all right well if you're gonna take that bench clearing incident that sam dyson caused i'm gonna take the other bench clearing incident that sam dyson caused so yeah also a good one <laughs> the great thing about the second one was that the inning was over and yeah. on the broadcast they had already started showing the the replay package you know leading into the end of the ending into the commercial break where they show all the important moments and there was music playing and it was a commercial break as far as the broadcast was concerned and the inning was amazing and we were all just savoring how great this inning was and then it wasn't quite over just when you thought we were about to go to commercial just as you thought it was over there was another bench clearing incident like minutes after the last one and for Almost as strange a reason, I think. Probably not quite, but very close. Just Sam Dyson walking by home plate where Troy Tulitsky, who had just popped out, was still standing. And Dyson gave him a little butt pat. He said something. I assume he said something nice. I don't know. Maybe maybe that will come out. Maybe it has come out and I haven't seen it. But I assume it was just a, a friendly butt pat and words of some sort. And Tulowitzki took exception to it and was very unfriendly. And Dyson just sort of kept walking off the field, but then the benches cleared again and everyone milled, milled around again. So it was a combination of how weird it was and the timing 
just as you thought the inning was over, it had one more gift to give. But definitely the two strangest bench-clearing incident incitements I can remember. And also the strangest fans throwing things on the field incident. The first one, totally natural. Hang on, I'm watching right now. What do you think? What do you think he's saying? I don't know. <laughs> it's weird because because Tulo has no right to be unhappy, right? Like that is the best time to go breach uh, uh, protocol and pat the opponent on the butt. Yeah, right? they like, just they just beat congrat- you. Congratulations, you're going to the seer to the NL uh, to the ALCS. Uh, Boy, I was a mess today, and I handed it to you. Mm-hmm. Good luck. Um, and and Tulowitzki's like, eh, we got rules here. Yeah. <laughs> and the rules say that I got to start being mad again. Yeah. <laughs> like, sorry, guy, but you know how it goes. Yeah. I got to be mad now. Um, and uh, it's a shame because Tulo could have had a perfectly nice uh, evening. And now he's going to spend the whole time thinking about what he should have said to Sam Dyson. <laughs> he's, he's already thought of like the perfect comeback and he didn't get to say it. And, so we, uh, I mean, we had like two brand new entries in the book of unwritten rules, really. Like, don't, I didn't know that these were unwritten rules and now they are. Don't, 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 don't gesture toward the fans in an, in an attempt to save other fans and players from getting hit by beer bottles thrown from the upper deck when such an action could be misconstrued as a celebration and don't give an opposing player a sportsmanlike pat on the butt after that player's team has just ended your season do you did you see sam dyson's little hand flip as he walked away yeah it's like whatever man (laughs) yeah and he was he was already mad about the Batista bat flip, and yes. so I don't know what he's. I mean, it's possible that he said something unfriendly. And oh, it's totally co- possible. Combined it with a butt pat, like a passive aggressive right. butt pat. He might have said, "Get your boy under control," or "You guys sure have a lousy way of winning," or "Well, I guess uh, you know karma's going to come back and get you." Or he might have said something like that, right? I mean, if this is if you think about how baseball players operate, uh, pretty much everything that they do uh, is in reaction to some imagined slight that they saw recently. And so probably for the next few weeks, everything Sam Dyson does is probably going to be bat flip related. Uh-huh. Um, so it is probably best to assume that, or it's probably most likely that he's still saying something about the bat flip or has something to say about the bat flip that the Edward Encarnacion thing was about the bat flip, that it was all bat flip related. Uh, but he looks like a nice guy and it's more fun to imagine that he actually said congratulations. Yeah. All right. So. Uh, all right. So, uh, and, but by the way, the fans throwing things on the field the second time you, you called that, right? That was, wait, was that, did one of us pick that? No, I'm going to pick that. I'm going to pick okay. that. Go ahead. All right. I, I'm going to pick the fans throwing things on the field the second time uh, because it reminds me of my all-time favorite McSweeney's. Um, with, uh, you know McSweeney's? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, and th- the strange thing is that I mentioned this exact thing in 
No, 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 I didn't. I mentioned this in my uh, my piece about the F word, baseball and the F word. Remember that one? Yep. And I read that uh, like yesterday because Jason Wojcikowski mentioned it in a tweet. And uh, I referred to this thing. But anyway, this reminded me of my favorite McSweeney's thing, which um, was like, uh, it was like uh, letters from, oh, here it was. Okay. Uh, kids' letters from terrorist summer camp. Uh-huh. And uh, so one of them was, yesterday at automatic weapon practice, I won the marksmanship medal. Afterwards, I was so happy. I kept firing my gun into the air. Then today, my stupid Kalashnikov jammed and I wound up losing. I was so mad. I kept firing my gun up into the air. <laughs> that's what this reminded me of. It was like, like we're so mad. And we have beer cans to throw. And then they're like, ah, oh, we're so happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, I liked the first throwing stuff on the field not that not that i condone such behavior but it was just they were playing against type like these were canadians i the first thing i searched <laughs> i started searching canada nice yeah on it twitter was, it was great it was like an entire country turned heel like a bunch of baby faces the entire national character changed in this one happening because if you had anticipated the reaction to this like if we had Someone had told you that the Rangers would have scored a really strange run, and the stereotype would have been Canadian fans saying, okay, we accept that. That's in the baseball rulebook. That's the way the game is played. And instead, they revolted, and they were angry, and they threw things, and they chanted. And these were Canadians. Yeah. You've never seen Canadians behave like this before. So this this inning really revealed a whole aspect of the national character that we didn't know was there. Uh, whose pick? Was that your pick? Yeah, that, that can be my pick. Right. I'm going to pick uh, the constant shots of Cole Hamels in the dugout. <laughs> Even though Cole Hamels' face never changed, yeah. and he was the least interesting person to look at, he looked like he was meditating. Mm-hmm. And like you sort of, like when I looked at Cole Hamels, my thought was, oh yeah, that's right. He's only been here two months and doesn't really care that much about this franchise. <laughs> and he's just sort of chilling. And they showed him over and over and over like he was, you know, in the owner's box or something like that. Like he was like Socha face, but he's just there. I guess it was that they like, I don't know why they kept showing him. I guess because nobody knows what the manager looks like. And so <laughs> you can't do the manager face because normally you would do the manager face. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they went with Cole Hamill's face. It was, it was the they were hoping for a undone by my defense face, I think, but they didn't yeah, really yeah. get it. Yeah, no, they didn't. He just he was just calm. He looked like he he could have been. This could have been video of him three hours after uh, winning the World Series in two thousand eight, going back to the dugout to sit and stare into the outfield and think about how amazing everything was. Mm-hmm. It was that shot over and over in the middle of everything. And it was funny because nobody else had that face. Everybody else was a house on fire. Yeah. And they found the one guy who just didn't care that much. Mm -hmm. It's just a game. (laughs) After all, he's not in it. What does he care? (laughs) Okay, I'm going to pick the also frequent shots of the grounds crew picking up trash. Uh Because, like, imagine that you are a groundskeeper at Rogers Center, like, what do you do? Like, it's the only, there's a turf (laughs) field, there's a retractable roof, so you never get to roll out the tarp, 
when it rains you don't get to mow interesting patterns into the grass or anything you don't you don't get to do anything i mean i guess you get to fix up the mound maybe you spray paint the foul lines or something but definitely less screen time and less prestige than every other grounds crew in baseball and then here they are at the decisive moment of the season packed house national audience everyone's watching and the players are no longer the focus. It's the grounds crew picking up trash on the field. So this was their moment. This was what they trained for. All right. I'm going to pick the... I'm going to my radio one now, my radio-only pick. Mm-hmm. Um, after the um, the ball hitting the bat debacle, mm-hmm. um, for a long time, we had to wait for the umpires to finally get this call certain. So first they they sent Odor back to third, and then they got an earful, and then they talked it over, and then they said, oh, yeah, actually, now that I think about it, you get to score. And then they went and they talked to New York to get the rules right, and then they came back out and said, yes, he does get to score, and that was it. It was settled. And during this whole thing, the Blue Jays radio broadcast color guy uh, seemed to be consistent in saying... Well, sure, if you throw the ball back and it hits the batter or his bat, it's a live ball, like just happened. Mm-hmm. But also, that wouldn't be fair, and they're going to overturn this. <laughs> and the the optimism that he had that an umpire would just freelance and just make the right call based on his own sense of justice uh, was so heartening. And that's how I kind of felt like I don't know like uh, what was it there was another what was the other rules uh, disagreement recently in the playoffs wasn't there another one where there was a big dispute not no. over what had happened but over Utley? Inter- not Utley. oh yeah yeah it was, uh, was <laughs> we, it, uh, we've already, already forgotten about Utley because this game was so crazy I think it was Utley but anyway I remember thinking um, like an umpire could just do what he wants like he doesn't he technically does like if 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 it's not a replay situation like if it's a replay situation then you have to go to new york and they tell you once you pick up the phone you're no longer in control you have no control but if it's not a replay situation and this wasn't even a replay situation they just called new york to get a clarification on the rules but they're still technically like they have to follow the rules but yeah they can kind of fudge things a little bit here and there rules uh, if it's a judgment call and i didn't think they should have in this case but uh the toronto broadcaster didn't just think they should but seemed very confident that they would like when they picked up the phone like he's like oh this is a travesty i can't believe it this is awful it's gonna ruin the game and then when they go pick up the phone to call new york he's like oh good now they'll get this (laughs) sorted out and the whole time he's like he's like yeah now they'll get it sorted out the rule is that he it's a live ball and he can advance, but they'll get this sorted out now. <laughs> well, at, at one point he said something like, I'm going to get close, but this will be technically a paraphrase. He goes, yes, he can advance according to the rules, but it just wouldn't be fair. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it would have been a really probably bad way for a playoff game to end if it had actually happened that way. But, yeah, but it could have. I will say, and this is not one of my things, but I will say, and you can neither confirm nor deny this, but I thought, possible unpopular opinion, that Harold Reynolds did a great job 
during this inning. He was totally on top of it. As soon as that play happened, he called exactly what had happened. I was just sort of sitting there gaping, wondering what had just happened and what it meant. And he identified immediately what had happened and what it meant and made the correct call that that it was a live ball and that he was allowed to score. And he also just generally had a really good attitude throughout the whole thing. Like he was very aware of how insane it was and how fun it was and how memorable it was. And I thought he enhanced the experience. So I'm defending Harold Reynolds. Cool. Was that your draft pick? Because you no. just lost the draft. <laughs> that was not mine. <laughs> um, and by uh, the way, do you uh, have you have you looked into this? The, it, I know that uh, my my Sherpa in this, the Toronto Radio Broadcast <laughs> booth, uh, seemed to think that, and I heard uh, repeated that there's a difference that. Uh, the ba- oh, no, no. Actually, it was neither the Toronto radio booth uh, nor anybody else. It was Dale Scott, the umpire, who made the call, who after the game explained uh, to the pool reporter, I think the pool reporter, um, that he, you know, that the rule is that if the, ba- if the batter's in the box and his bat is in the box, then it's okay. And whether his bat was in the box, he implied that whether his bat was in the box is uh, was maybe would have been in dispute, but that is not a reviewable call. And so when he called it uh, a you know live ball, it couldn't be reviewed. And the rule I'm looking at says if the batter is standing in the batter's box and he or his bat is struck by the catcher's throw back to the pitcher and in the umpire's judgment there is no intent on the part of the batter to interfere with the throw, the ball is alive and in play. So whether the bat was, quote, in the box or not, is um, irrelevant, right? It doesn't matter where the bat is as long as Chu, his own body, is in the batter's box and the bat's uh, location is unintentional, uh, not deliberately blocking the throw, uh, then it doesn't really matter whether it's perpendicular uh, or parallel to the ground or what. Yeah, one thing this October has taught me about baseball is that I don't really know the rules. (laughs) I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I got to look up all sorts of stuff. I don't, I don't know. And there Not are always that. like three different rules that apply to every situation, and That's they true. all have different wording, and it's not definitive. Not a hundred percent sure Dale Scott knows that rule. <laughs> Maybe not. No, I mean, really, like who? Why? It's a crazy rule. It's a weird. So, do you, will this rule change? Will, uh, will there be a rule that says that the catcher's throw cannot be obstructed by a batter or his bat? that is out of the batter's box? Uh, well, I don't think it was out of the batter's box. It's not clear that it was, but it yeah. might have been. Maybe. maybe. It looks like There was it... an overhead shot, and it was yeah. borderline. Yeah. So I, I, I guess it makes sense. It would make sense for that to be the rule. Okay. So, all right. My next one, I think my next one is going to be Alfonso Marquez's mouth. Because he had an enormous, I, I don't know, it looked like he had a baseball in his mouth the entire inning. And so it looked like it looked like he had picked up the baseball and just put it in his mouth for safekeeping or something cause they, until they figured out what to do. Because he <laughs> had just, like, I guess it was gum or chew or something, but it was just a huge wad. It looked like a, like a fatal tumor or something. And... He kept being in these serious conferences 
behind home plate, like with Bannister and with Gibbons and deciding the fate of these two team seasons with his <laughs> lip just like protruding several inches away from his face with some kind of cartoonish wad in his mouth. And it lent an air of whimsy to the whole uh, very serious proceedings. All right. <clears throat> I'll take the third air. Okay, so the throwing error at third. Yeah. Or the, the catching error at third. The ca- yeah, because what was that? <laughs> I don't know what that was. It was a perfect fielding attempt and a perfect throw. I mean, I'm watching it right now. There's there's just... It, like, the, this is... that That's the one that really is mind-blowing. Because you just don't see that. No. You, don't, you just don't really ever see a shortstop drop a throw right at him. No, he he, he an I accurate he, throw. His glove was like caught in be- like he had his glove pointing down when maybe it should have been pointing up to like in a scooping position, but he had it pointing down and he just didn't close the glove on it, but I there was no no real reason for him not to make that play. This is I picked that, but it's also kind of my least favorite be- moment, not because um the um of its effect on who won but because Beltre and and Elvis Andrews are like one of America's great lovable comedic duos and they're always goofing and they're always you know together and yeah. having having fun mm-hmm. and to just see after that so many sad Andrews sad Beltre shots you right. know it just felt like just felt like those two will never be the same again like yeah. I, it's only I, been I don't, a couple of weeks since the last pop-up deke out that they had I have an extremely dark analogy that I'm not going to. <laughs> okay. But just so you know, I've got one, and it's good. <laughs> right. And I'm not going to use it. Mm, okay. <laughs> so anyway, that was uh, that felt like a shift in the sport. Uh-huh. It felt like a, a, a corner had been turned Yeah. in the sport. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Instead of the extremely dark analogy, I have a I have a less dark one. So I mean, it, to me, it's like you have this couple, this happily married couple that everybody loves, and like they're the life of the party. And then the husband loses his job, and they start snipping at each other all the time. And he's always like sitting on the couch, and she's like, "How come you're not looking for work?" And he's like, "I am looking for work. This is what I do. I'm creative." And they're just they hate each other after that. And like you never felt like the job was what mattered in their relationship. It's not like they were together because of his job. It's not like she loved him because of his job. The job was an afterthought. He didn't even care about that job. It's like he didn't go to school to get that job. He was an engineering major, and now he's working in sales. I mean, it wasn't even relevant to their being, and yet. You take that job away and everything changes. And before you realize it, they're splitting up. And it's just, it's awful. Nobody knows what happened. And the friends don't know who to go with. You know, some of them go with her and some of them go with him. And that was you, the- just, you just have to watch it for a long time. You just have to watch these two things just coexist in a miserable way that you're just not prepared to watch them coexist. That was the non-dark analogy. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to tell me later what the dark analogy was. It's the same thing, except their kid dies. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. My next pick is the Blue Jays not knowing who was ejected. I always enjoy this when uh, a player is ejected, but no one knows which player it was. <laughs> yeah. Because I, they're all standing on the top step yelling at an umpire, and an umpire yeah. 
points in their general direction and makes the ejection motion, but it could apply to anyone because everyone was saying something ejection worthy. And then there are just like four different Blue Jays making the who me symbol. And I still don't know who was actually ejected because Brett Cecil went into the tunnel and it looked like maybe he had been ejected or maybe like they were just pretending that he was ejected because he's injured and he can't play anyway. But then he was back shortly after that. So I don't know who was actually ejected, but no one knew at the time. So I enjoyed that. One of my great regrets uh, during Stomper's summer was that we didn't have one of those situations yeah. where somebody got ejected and me being easily the least important person <laughs> in the dugout, I was going to be the hero and go, all right, then I guess I'm out. Yeah. And uh, it didn't get to happen. I thought that it, uh, Michael Saunders is a good person to lose uh, <laughs> on that team, but it was uh, it probably should have been David Price. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I was already writing my tweet about how Gibbons knew that that was going to happen, and that's why he used him in the previous game. But then I had to delete it because it wasn't clear who was actually ejected. Mm. This game made me tweet. It's a lot. <laughs> there was a flurry. <laughs> uh, all right. I am... I think I'm running out of picks. Okay. Uh, so you can just keep going. <laughs> all right. Build your lead. Um Okay, I'm well. There was another ejection moment where Jeff Bannister got a fan ejected, and I don't know what the fan did. It was it looked like a businessman, like he had a suit and a baseball cap, which is never a great look. I feel like if you have a suit and a baseball cap, I, I don't know. It just looks like you're not. Just looks like you're there because you had to take a client or something, and. He uh, was gesturing from the dugout to get this fan ejected. And this was like right after his season had ended. <laughs> this was right after the Rangers just, you know, went behind and were going to lose. And Jeff Bannister was super concerned about getting this fan ejected. And the fan was on his cell phone and he's arguing with security. And he was just like an older, older guy, businessman looking guy. And it was funny that Bannister was so concerned with getting the fan ejected at this moment when so many other things were going wrong for the Rangers. There was also a Rangers fan. There was a crowd shot of a Rangers fan, New York Rangers fan, which was really good. It was just this sea of like Blue Jays jerseys and Texas Rangers fan. And there was a Rangers fan with a New York Rangers jersey as if he had gotten lost on the way to the Rangers game that he was trying to go to. And neither of us like mentioned the actual pivotal moment, the weirdest moment of this whole thing. Is neither of us going to draft the Russell Martin throw and the chew deflection? Not really like us. <laughs> it's too obvious. It is too obvious. Do you, what do you think are the I don't I don't quite know how to even pose this question, but Let's say that Jose Bautista gets a thousand at bats in that situation. Okay. Okay. And let's further say that he gets a thousand at bats in a situation where Odor catches the little bloop pop up that he should have caught. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in one case, the Rangers are completely on tilt. Yeah. And in the other, there's two outs and the bases are loaded. And one more out, and the Rangers have the lead. 
Give yeah. me slash lines for both of those. <laughs> um, let me just give you home run rates. So okay. his at bat per home run in one situation or the other. So at bats per home run when there's the bloop, well, I don't know what it is, but I would say it's it's higher. I, I think it's higher following the bloop than if the bloop had been caught. And I'll say it's 20% higher. Yeah, I'm... I'm I know that I'm probably over analyzing this or under analyzing it, I guess. I'm vastly under analyzing it. But like I sort of feel like in the on tilt scenario, Batista's like a four eighty, six ten, thirteen fifty slugging percentage hitter. Mm-hmm. Um and in the other one, he's probably slightly worse than normal Jose Batista. So like the difference between um, like uh, Batista playing in a ball and Batista playing in an all-star game. Yeah. And the, uh, we're, we've talked about bat flips before we're, oh, we're don't. down on bat flips. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good one though. That was a good one. <laughs> we're down on bat flips because t- anytime there's any bat flip whatsoever, everyone goes crazy. That was a legitimate bat flip. I'll tell you what, I will, uh, because I don't, it's a slippery slope, because I don't want to open the door to bat flip spammers, I don't want to give my name and address to the bat flip crowd, so I'm not going to talk about the bat flip, but I will say that everything leading up to the bat flip that Batista did was also epic. Like, the whole crowd is nuts. And he just stands there staring yeah. at Sam Dyson like he's going to eat his children. <laughs> and and he just sort of stands there. And like for about, a, I don't know, a second and a half, just lets the whole world go on except him. Like he's like saying, I am no longer of this world. And I move at my own speed. And it was, um, it was one of the most... Uh, kind of like uh, psychologically violent things I've ever seen in the sport. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I will say that it was a it was an all time great. If nothing else, it was an all time great um, stare down or um, pimping of mm-hmm. one's home run. Mm-hmm. Uh, no matter what happened to the piece of lumber that he used to hit it, I'm gonna watch it right now. First, I gotta watch Odor do this six times. What was that? I don't Crazy. Know. They made four, e- I mean, only one, the only three counted as errors, but they made four unthinkable errors in a row. Yeah. And, and the first two of those happen. Oh, my gosh, Jose Bautista. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, the first play was not a notable error. It was a shortstop trying to rush a play, and he was in motion, and it wasn't egregious. And the second he, one... He makes it 97% of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably. Okay. And the second one, the the throw from the first baseman when there's a runner between first and second, that's always tough because you probably ninety two percent of the time maybe. Yeah. And then <laughs> the Andrus catch is a ninety nine point nine percent of the time. Mm-hmm. I mean the the Beltre play maybe is not, but if the Beltre play is made, if he gets to the ball that quickly and throws that perfectly, then yeah. the catch would be made that many times. And then Odor? Yeah, the Odor catch, I mean, that was, when it was hit, I thought immediately it was an out. 
I think somewhere between 96 and 99.5. Yeah. So let's call it 98. Mm-hmm. So then the odds of those four plays all getting missed are about 1 in 500,000. <laughs> yeah. Possibly 1 in 5 million. I always have trouble with scientific notation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So extremely unlikely. All right. Uh, where am I? I'm, I've got t- too many open here. I'm going to watch it again. <laughs> this might be... Yeah, that... It's like oh, the God. most rewatchable inning. I I really would rather rewatch that inning than watch the rest of the playoff games. <laughs> it it's was too, great. It's, it's almost too bad this is a division series because if this were a World Series, that home run is top five all time. Yeah. Yeah, definitely Carter level. Yeah, like so like Gibson's home run is the number one home run of all time. Mm-hmm. Even even though, you know, it was game one of a World Series. Like it wasn't game seven, it wasn't a walk off. Um and and yet something about it, all the stories about it, all the factors that go into it, the people involved in the uh, circumstances, make it a clear number one ahead of Mazeroski and Bobby Thompson. But uh, after that, I don't think there is a clear number four. And I, Joe Carter is probably number four, but it's a, a, it's a tier down, I think, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Um, and if this took place in any World Series game, I think I would put it, yeah, at, at Carter level. It could, be, it could have been number four all time. But it's only a division series, so I don't know. It's probably like 12. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great game. Probably the best game we'll see. Sorry that it came so soon, but I can rewatch that like freaks and geeks. I could just put it on anytime and watch from the start. Postseasons are getting better, aren't they? They've been really good lately. I don't know why they would be getting better, but they've been really good lately. Well, we have twice as many games, yeah. for one thing, and we have much better cameras for another. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have Twitter, which, oh my gosh, Jose Bautista. <laughs> that was a uh, big swing. All right. I don't know. Well, Twitter, probably, I don't want to give Twitter any credit for anything. Never mind. <laughs> no. All right. So everyone listening probably has their own moments. I have more moments, but you kind of have to see them to appreciate them. So... I'm glad we got to experience that. And we will be back tomorrow, will we? You're traveling. Will we be back? Mm, not to- to- it's not totally clear. We may Maybe. be back. We may be back. Pro- pretty good chance. We might have to do an email show. Okay. Well, we could use some emails. We haven't gotten as many lately. So send us some at podcast at baseballperspectus.com. Facebook group is facebook.com slash groups slash effectively wild. And you can rate and review and subscribe to the show on iTunes and support our sponsor, The Play Index, by going to baseballreference.com and using the coupon code BP to get the discounted price of $30 on a one-year subscription.